This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 545, recorded on September 8th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Belgium. Well, it's still a little warm, but not quite as warm as California. Agent Crew from uh, from WineSpice.com is with me tonight. Agent Crew, it's super hot in California right now, right? Like 100 and forever? Yeah, it actually was 116 in the sun here in the valley on the crush pad. And uh, my uncle was trying to save some tanks of wine where the the cooler went out. Not good. (laughs) Oh, no, no. And, and of course, you know, there's been some talk of kind of blackouts and rolling blackouts and some of those kinds of things. I saw at winespy.com, I saw you were running a banner that said, hey, for shipping, right, there's like a special shipping notice of keeping things cold or yeah, cooler yeah. or not in the sun. What's that all about? I, I mean, shipping wine in the summer months is obviously one of the hardest things to do, <laughs> Yeah, especially because it's yeah. expensive. So if it gets cooked, you know, that's right. For everybody. No, no. Uh, right but on. Well, ice packs go in there and uh, we do refrigerated trucking from the warehouse to basically the regional hub. And then it goes to the UPS. Okay. It, you know, it's usually good unless it isn't good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. And I'm a hello fresh guy. So we get, yeah. you know, every week I get a box of fresh produce and they do a lot. I have to do a lot of things to protect that in this heat as well. Uh, so anyways, hang tight one second. I'll remind everyone they can get access to the show notes. There'll be a few links. If you want to head over to winespice.com, I'll have the link to all of that uh, at the average guy.tv slash HGG five. Uh, four or five. Big thanks to Jay uh, Jay Franzi who joined me last week, and actually I was on his show on Thursday. That we didn't do that on purpose; it just worked out that way. Um, if you want to check out um, Franzi and Friends, you can do that over at franziandfriends.com. I think it'll publish on Sunday. Today's the eighth, so that's like the thirteenth. If you want to check it out, you can go on his website and do that. I interviewed him, or I uh, introduced him here a little bit earlier, but Agent Crew from WineSpies.com is here. If you're listening to the audio, you can't see the video, but he's got the sunglasses. He's looking like a spy. Agent Crew, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Hi, thanks for having me, Jim. Agent Crew reporting for duty. Gotta gotta live the brand. Gotta throw the spy shades on. This is, uh, this I love is spy it. Life. <laughs> I love, I love the, uh, I love the commitment to the brand. So I, yeah. I always, I always appreciate that. Hey, give us a little bit of your background, just a, a little bit about you, uh, you know, where you're from and where you're at right now. Yeah. So before I was undercover at the wine spies here, you can see my pretty <laughs> eyes. Nice. This is how I usually look. Cause I'm Addison Rex is my, my real name. I was been in the wine industry since right out of college. My, my family owns Deerfield ranch winery in Sonoma County. And I cut my teeth there doing the cellar rat thing. I don't know if you ever, have you ever heard that term cellar rat? Uh, no, what it, no, it, I, I assume that's people that are in the wine, the dark wine places. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the lowliest job on the winery totem pole. You're doing a lot of scrubbing barrels and, and, uh, and tanks and stuff. Um, but it is a very good place to start because you actually learn how to make wine. Um, and I worked there for eight years kind of worked my way up operations manager. Uh, I was general manager by the time I left. Um, and I moved from 
Deerfield to join my now partner at Wine Spies, and he founded the company in 2007. So we're still to this day the longest running flash sale site for wine. The, we're the second one in existence, and Wine Woot was bought by Amazon, which later shut it down. So Wine Spies is still going strong, and um, I'm the CEO now, and it's just been taken off like a rock. So fun and I, I love this business because we sell one different wine every day. So clock strikes midnight, brand new wine. And that means that we have to have a new wine every day, taste a lot of wines to find that wine. So it's just such a joy to always be checking out new wines I've never heard of. I have some incredibly knowledgeable staff, our wine buyers, walking wine encyclopedia. So just get to keep on learning and, and trying new things. And I mean, come on, what's, that's, what's, what more can you ask for? How do you, how do you like in pre-show we were talking about this during the pandemic, like, you know, my, I increased about tenfold what I was drinking. Right. And at some point my check liver light came on, you know, I was like, you better slow down there, big guy. How do you, like, how do you work in that space and not, I mean, wine is around you all the time. Yeah. It's, you got access to it. How do you do that? It is an occupational hazard, and uh, there are plenty of winos out there working at wineries. What I do, and and people have different relationships with it. Some people, they just, I mean, they just drink a glass still like everybody else, and that's that's mm-hmm. fine, and they just have it. They're just able to do that, um, you know. And and what I always do is I pretty much dry out twice a year. Um, I'll do like I'll do. Sober, sober. Usually I'll do dry January, but not necessarily. It doesn't have to be dry January. I'll take 30 days off. Um, and then I'll usually do that about twice a year. Some days I'll do 90 days. Um, and honestly, it's, it's as much just for a reset on the alcohol, but also just there's, I, I, if I drink a bottle a night, I just gain weight, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I just have to do it for that reason alone. Yeah. And that, that really does kind of give me the old reset, keeps me balanced yeah. over time. Does it reset your palate as well? I mean, certainly drinking wine is a, is a, you know, there's your palate. It's it's important that your palate is working so that you know how these things taste. Does it, does that reset it? Well, no, I mean the whole time I'm, I'm drinking and spitting during the tastings. I mean, I, Mm. I Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. But I actually do spit, you know? Yeah. 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 And and, and that is hard when you're drinking a phenomenal world-class wine that you're in love with, Yeah, you know? But it's pretty easy for me when I go into that mode and you just have to. You Um, mentioned flash, like flash sales, or is that the term that you used? What kind of, I mean, certainly there's some technology. A lot of technology has to go into the tracking and the inventory and knowing what's coming in and all those. How do you keep track with a new, with a new wine every day? How do you keep track of all that stuff? That's a great question. And actually that is something completely unique to wine spies. The, the founder made a decision really early on that he wasn't going to use something off the shelf. And especially in 2007, there was nothing that could do it. Now there's now things like Shopify, but wine is such a niche product that, yeah, this is, this is the site and actually uh, click on the logo code so you can see the front page. So, cause this is the store section. We sell one different wine every day. So this is what you see. We have a brand new wine and then, yeah, there, so you were just on the store where there's a few other offers, but this is really the focus of it. And that's if you want to throw a few more things in your cart. And typically there's only a couple bottles left of each thing. Um, that's a cool feature called the vault where you, for 20 bucks, you can get a random wine and we publish the, uh, 
the the likelihood that you'll win wine at different tiers, but people go home with mm. you know two hundred dollar wines for twenty bucks all the time. Um, so so the so this site that you're looking at right now is actually a custom built app that on the back end is our entire logistics system, our entire inventory management, all of our merchandising. So on the back end, we can see the calendar view and all of these sales are lined up and ready to go. And we have we have it all queued up, um, including all of the POs and the inventory coming in. Um, and it really is a full service winery e-com platform and management system that we built line for line ground up. And it really lets us run this company with a skeleton crew of, if we wanted to, literally one person, which is mm. crazy for what how actually what is involved to do it. So, I mean, we're not a one person show, but it, it, we really can have a very small staff to be able to provide really, really high quality write-ups with a ton of content and just actually provide good service. Yeah. So yeah, that's the secret well, to our success, man. Make it, build it yourself. <laughs> in the wine, beer and spirit space, the write-up is everything. Yeah. How much, like how much time do you have? Do you have people who just do that? And, and certainly I have noticed, you know, in, in the last 10 years, the tech around that has gotten pretty crazy as far as what you could do and what you can write and, and the, the shots and kind of stuff. How do you guys handle all the write-ups? Oh, like the GPT-3 stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so that's the interesting part is that, I mean, he's talking about the, the software where you could basically say like, write me a wine note and it just scrapes all of Robert Parker's reviews ever and writes you an actually good sounding wine note. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, I wouldn't mind if the wine notes went that way. I, we still do them because people find like a certain number of people still like to know, okay, what am I supposed to taste? Is there blueberries? And is it, does it taste like Prada handbags or, you know, Fendi? And, you know, that's, that's all well and good. Um, but really what you're not going to be able to emulate, well, actually with <laughs> the way it's going, maybe you will be able to emulate. Yeah. We write, we're actually write engaging copy um, every single day. Our, our CMO, he is our, also our chief copywriter. And it's, what's incredible about what he has to do is come up with something unique every single day to say about the wine. And he impresses me every day. And we've got like a 50% open rate for our emails just because even if they're not interested in the particular wine, yeah, if you click through to one of the sales, you'll see scroll and then click read, read more. You can, you know, you can just see how much unique content is written every single day. And that's actually a short one. And then if you scroll down more, there's all of the information with the the technical details and then content about the the winery itself. Uh, You can expand the, if you click on the, yeah. Um, so it's a ton of, it's a ton of content, but instead of writing like, Oh, it tastes like blueberries with a hint of anise, you know, we're like, Oh my God, this wine is like catching a crazy wave and shredding the gnar. You have to jump in and splash around in these ways. And I, I can't even do it. <laughs> it really, I mean, that is, that is the yeah. way to talk about the wine. So, yeah. um, and, and people, people like it when it's actually engaging and feels like a real person talking to you. So, right. Right. As they're, as they're reading those from a customer base, do, do you guys, you're out in California. Yeah. Do, you, do you find most of your customers in California or are you getting a lot of track? Cause you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was tough to ship wine. It's gotten yeah. a lot easier, I think. Yeah. Right. With the, I think COVID made it even a little bit easier. Are you finding where's your customer base in, and is it spreading out? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely mostly California. They're about 40% of our business. Um, 
no, we're, we're, we're all over the place and you're, you're going to have to go online and, and click checkout to see if we'll service your particular state. Ah, um, right. but the, yeah. the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it really has gotten a lot better. There's been a tremendous amount of consolidation in the in the logistics and fulfillment space, which has hugely benefited customers. So we use a third party shipping service called Wine Shipping, super creative name. And, <laughs> <laughs> and what's happened is because wine is a very specific product. It's heavy with the glass. It's perishable. It's expensive. So if you lose it, you know, it's very expensive. It's highly regulated. Um, so for all these reasons, I mean, it's like one of the hardest products to transport. So we are talking about the temperature controlled shipping. Now there's regional hubs across the country, which are owned and operated. And that's crucial by the company. Cause before it was an alliance of these things, packages would get lost. It was a nightmare, but now there's so much consolidation where they own the regional hubs. They own the, the refrigerated trucks and they own the actual fulfillment houses where your inventory is kept and picked. And so now it's all part of one network. And that is also the economies of scale. So the pricing has come down significantly, um, even, th even though it's actually in real dollars kind of gone up, relatively it's come down. Sure. So um, what that means is that now you can have your wine put on a refrigerated truck, driven to Florida, refrigerated, dropped off at a refrigerated facility, the ice pack is inserted at that facility and handed off to UPS when it's only, you know, a morning ride away from your actual house. Yeah. So that makes it feasible. And, and now we can, we basically don't have as much seasonal business as we've had in the past. Um, and if just one more, um, there's like, there's now there's white glove services in Arizona where even that one ice pack trip doesn't, it doesn't cut it even if it's three hours cause it's mm. like 115 degrees. Yeah. There's one company, one dude and his daughter wanting to use shipping in, um, I think it's Flagstaff or it might be Tempe. God bless you, Steve. This <laughs> one guy services the entire state of Arizona and everyone ships their wine to his place. And then he's got a fleet of air-conditioned trucks that do the last mile delivery. So it's always Is evolving. He yeah, no, right on. And we, you know, we, the, the whole two to the door delivery service has changed in the last five years, right? I mean, you yep. can get people, they'll open the garage and close it for you. They'll be, be, put it in the door. They've got, you know, access to all kinds of things. Uh, we, we put a, you know, we have kind of a delivery, a box delivery box yeah. out front just, just for that. And 90% of the time they get it. And there's sometimes they don't, but. Well, see, uh, even that, see, that doesn't work for wine because it would have to be refrigerated. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's an yeah. extra layer. Right. Yeah. And, and, and do you have to, in, in most states, you have to sign for it. You have to right? sign for it in all states. Um, okay. And in California, we're not, we couldn't even send it if they wouldn't be collecting the signature. Right. Um, you know, in practice, you know, earmuffs, like right. it depends right. on your local UPS driver. Most of them do make you sign it. So mm -hmm. being home for it and then that communication aspect of it. So that, that was part of the problem that we really solved with our locker system because what, what our site allows you to do is you can buy any amount of bottles you want and then we'll store it for you and then you can ship it um, so you can aggregate a bunch of different wines over time, which is super good because we sell one different wine a day. So if you see a wine you like, right. you don't have to have like one bottle shipped to you at a huge cost. You can combine the orders and then instead of having to wait for four different wine shipments and making sure you're home, you only have to wait for the one. And that, that yeah. really helps people. Yeah. Like, they love that. 
Yeah. Do you do you get many uh, single single wine shipments, or do most no, people? Never. Yeah, <laughs> it, I was gonna it's say. So expensive. It's crazy because yeah. so if you buy if you buy from us if you buy from us and you want to have you will you can ship yourself one bottle and pay for it if you want. Right. But right. one bottle costs like thirty five dollars to ship, and then even even if you want to pay for it, if you ship three bottles, then it already comes down to like ten dollars per bottle to ship. So the cost just drops so fast per bottle as you go up in, in volume, it's never worth it to ship one bottle. You'd have to be right. Crazy. Well, so, okay. I, I was most intrigued by this idea because I kind of do this with cigars where I I'll buy them through the month. They keep them for me. Then I, I have their care package, which already comes with free shipping. So they just throw it in one big box, Yep. ship it to me at the end of the month. I get them all at the same time. Like super you're saying convenient. one shipment, really convenient, super awesome. So how many bottles, if I were buying bottles throughout the month, Mm-hmm. What's the what's the right number to buy before you guys ship them? Uh, so twelve is when it ships for free, and so you could have it shipping time. Twelve is a case, so that's when you can ship it. Okay. Um, okay. And that that was a huge, huge roll of the dice for us because we've been around since '07. We rolled out this feature in 2020, so we've been in business for 13 years, and the entire time our business model was free shipping on six bottles. But, you know, it, we have a crazy discount every day. So, I mean, you know, today's wine is an $80 wine. We're selling for $44. So, but still, like, all right, if, if we're selling free shipping on six and you have to just buy this wine and have it all shipped to you, you know, six times four, what is it, Two, um, $264. Okay, well, I mean, I might have bought one bottle for $44, but I'm really going to throw down almost $300 yeah. to try this wine I've never had before. Um, so it was a huge, huge benefit for people to be able to all of a sudden check out for one bottle. But we realized we had one opportunity to go from shipping six bottles to shipping 12 bottles, and that cuts our margins in half on shipping. So, you know, there was a huge pushback at first because people were like, oh, I can ship for free on six, but now it's 12. But people saw so quickly that it was such a better system ultimately. And we actually passed that discount on that we were saving on the margin, most of that back on to whatever we could do for our actual discount. At people, even yeah. our worst haters came around within a month, you know, and now yeah. you know everyone just loves lockers. It's 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 obviously superior. Yeah, no, right yeah. on. How do you um so I'm assuming when you're purchasing these wines, when these wines become available for sale, they're not all in perfect lots. They're probably mm-hmm. in different sizes and availability and some of those kinds of things. How do you how do you manage from a warehouse perspective, knowing like, okay, we've got this, we should price it at that, it may last in the warehouse. And and it sounds like maybe there's some even you're distributing them around as you're doing it. That's gotta be pretty complex, right? It's super complicated. The well, the warehouse is a really, I mean, it's a specialty fulfillment center for wine. So the wine is perfectly safe to age for years in the in the warehouse itself. But now it is the bane of so we use a fulfillment partner who stores the wine as well. And we're their largest account. And we're the we are the bane of their existence because most wineries have like, you know, 10 different wines and they all are on these giant pallets and they just go grab. We sell one different wine every day. So we constantly have new wines coming in and there'll be as little as like two bottles of this one skew. And so the only solution is we have a private picker who only works for us. And, and it actually is a pretty interesting um, kind of business to business relationship where our teams really work closely together. We all know each other very, very well. 
And, and yeah, they've made special accommodations to work with wine spies that they definitely wouldn't do for, for others. Um, which is kind of nice to be, you know, the, the big fish in the, in the small pond. We're not at the very largest facility of theirs. And so it's, we've kind of got this trade off of, you know, we could kind of throw our weight around at this facility, but if we want to move it to a higher scale, then it's going to be where now again, we're the minnow. So we really like being at a place where we know everybody and yeah. they know where all our wines at. So, you know, literally Sandy knows where those two bottles are and she'll go. Buy <laughs> That's gotta be, I mean, you gotta almost have an Amazon style robot warehouse to, well, to keep track of all the wine, right? Well, talking about gadgets and stuff, like you said, the problem is, is that these case boxes are all different. And then as soon as you stack them, they're not all the same size, depending on the size of the glass. So they don't stack. And then if you have to get to two bottles and it's in the middle of a pallet, it's impossible. So they end up going on these racks, which tilt forward. But even then, if you're one, you know, your two bottles at the back of that pallet rack, it's just a huge logistical problem and takes up a ton of space. Yeah. This is yeah. why wine is so expensive, guys. It takes a lot of room. <laughs> well, it takes a lot of work. Uh, you yeah. know, I, grew up in the, I grew up in the Bay Area and we'd go up there and I've, I've hung out at some wineries and watched the process and even got to help on a small winery, got to help, oh, cool. you know, they had a big bear, you know, a big plastic tub. You guys yeah. probably call it something else. And they're like, Hey, you want to steer the, stir the grapes. And yeah. we went out there, you know, that's how my family like does it. Punch downs yeah. in the teeth. And that's no, it. Man. Super, Do you remember was, which one it was? No, uh, maybe by the end I'll remember. No, I should know it. Small little one. Their, their vines have been out there for a hundred years. The roots have gone all the way down to the, cool. you know, to the, 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 um, the water table down below. Yeah. So they didn't even water them. Uh, just, just new vines that they put in so good that I was at a technology conference and a friend invited me to it and they had a chef on site and we just, the chef was making stuff and we were drinking wine. I don't remember getting home. Let's just be, <laughs> really, <laughs> let's just mean, be really clear. That's why, and that's why people love the wine country experience, yeah. man. Good food and good wine. And what's to complain about? And everyone's on vacation. Everyone's relaxed. It's nice. I want to dig into a couple gadgets on this, oh, but yeah. I want to ask you this question first, because I'm kind of a deal guy. I like to buy the deals, right? You've got this, the vault, right? We looked at it here. Let me, let me bring this, let me bring it back on screen. So what you're telling me is this is, this is a, this is a gamble, 20 bucks. I don't know what I'm getting. You're just buying whatever's, whatever's there. If I, yeah. if I bought one of the, if I bought one of those a week, and waited for 12 weeks and then had you ship me that as a surprise box, like type deal Would something like that work. So, okay. So a couple of things So click on yeah. the, click on the product and then click on learn more. Yeah. And then click on that learn more button on the left. Yeah. So we actually publish down below. We publish all the actual percentage chances in mm. there. Mm. And so for all of the wine that we have in inventory, it automatically goes into these tiers. We literally don't touch it. It automatically goes into these price tiers. Um, and then the, there's a thousand bottle cycle and then it's, it's randomly distributed at these percentages from, from those buckets. So it's totally automated. Those chances, you know, that's exactly how the, the rates that the wines get picked at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you do it, you know, 10 times you have, you, your bottle will be worth more than $50 if you do it. So basically you have a one third chance of getting a $30 bottle. So not bad. So the no, way we kind of, no. the way we kind of did it was that, you know, you got, you basically got a third chance to get a significantly better value than the $20 
and you know you've got a shot of getting like an epic bottle basically yeah yeah, yeah. well Here's the deal. Like I, I drink $20 or cheaper bottles of wine all the time. Like I don't have a problem getting a $20 bottle of wine. Um, but there's this kind of a, fu- the other thing is I kind of want, I need to break out of my current, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, I kind of buy that. We kind of buy the same things all the time. We've got real kind of, that's fine. We're really comfortable with it, but it would be awesome. And in, in, if, if I took a 12 week cycle, I would get one once a month, you know, or, I'm sorry, I'd get a box once a quarter mm-hmm. and I'd get, I would get 12 new wines, right? Well, to you try. Can't, the, the way that we did it though, is you can only buy one vault bottle per locker. That you oh, fill. okay. Okay. So you can okay. do, so that's the thing is you can only get a vault bottle with a locker. So you basically get one chance to spin the wheel per case. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But I mean, the thing about wine spies in general and the whole idea is that, you know, we really do taste, well, not just taste all the wines, but we sit there every Friday and we, you know, we have sourced all these wines and our wine buyer goes out there, pounds the pavement, finds wine offers. And frankly, we get these days, it's not that hard. People come to us and we taste through all the wines. And then our baseline, the starting point is, is do we love this wine? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really mean that, like we will not sell a wine that we're not all of us at the tasting panel all about. And then only after it clears that bar, do we start doing like, oh, it does do the economics work out. And if it doesn't work out, okay, well, then it's also off and that sucks too. But so the pricing has to work out and it has to be a good wine and everything in the vault. We don't, we don't do purchasing for the vault, especially for it. So what that means is that everything in the vault is stuff that we've already decided to sell. So even those $20 bottles, you know, it's a good wine. And then to your point of like finding new wines, that's why people like wine spies and and just shopping and seeing a new deal every day. You are, we've pre-vetted the wine. So, you know, we think we like it. And then over time, you know, if, if you you'll come to realize, oh, these guys tend to tend to ship really good wine that I like. (laughs) And then you can take a chance on new stuff that you might not have otherwise bought because basically it's got the wine to buy seal of approval. Yeah. 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 No, right on. I I was kind of thinking like, Hey, for a really good deal, I could try 12 wines. I don't pick that. They're just, it's just random. So it'd be, um, you know, for I mean, if you want to do that, just buy one different bottle every day from us. <laughs> just don't even look, just add to cart and click in order. Yeah. 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 I'll have to, I'll have to give it a try. Yeah. I'll have to give it a try. Um, okay. So let's talk some gadgets. Cause I think when, we, when a lot of people, you know, we talked in the pre, in the pre-show, we, you showed us how, so listen, if you're listening to this as a regular podcast, you need to head over to the, to the, the, uh, the YouTube channel for the average guy.tv and see, uh, see agent crew opening the bottle. Cause there's, there's a few tricks you might want to learn. What else do I need? Unless you yeah. Well, that's not a t- like, like you don't need expensive equipment to be a wine drinker, right? You're, you're showing us the, just a, just your regular average, right? That's just a regular opener, right? I don't, I don't need anything. Sp- I don't have to have anything special to get it open. Right. I, I'm the, I'm the anti wine snob. I really, you know, I, I, the only thing I don't like is stemless. Did I say stemless? I mean, um, st- stemless wine glasses where there's not a big bowl. Like it's fine if it doesn't have a stem, but it has a proper bowl. The only thing that I don't like to drink wine out of is a plastic cup or like a tiny little Italian style cup. Cause you can't, yeah. you have to be able to get your nose in it. And that actually affects the drinking experience. Really? Beyond that, man, it's like, just, it's going to taste roughly the same. Like this is a really nice Riedel glass and you know, they make, different styles of glass for different varietals. Very serious wine people will tell you it makes a difference. 
I drink a lot of wine. I don't know if there's a huge difference. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But as long as there's enough where you can get your beak in there and the aromas are contained, you're good to go. Yeah. And the same we thing we do that with, we do that with bourbons a lot of time, you know, we smell them before we drink them. Am I supposed to be kind of getting, as I'm drinking this, should I be getting a whiff of it before or smell yeah. it, hold it, then drink it? What's the right way to do that? Yeah. I mean, the classic way is like, you should take a sniff before you okay. even go to sit. So take a little sip. And then when you go to mm-hmm. sit, you kind of leave your mouth slightly more open than the liquid. So you take a little bit of air in over it and you'll notice it kind of automatically comes into your nose too. So yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. And okay. you kind of in- inhale over the wine that makes yeah. a difference. And then if yeah. you're really, if you're, re- if you've been doing this for too long, you do one of these. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. And kind I, of slurp I, it, pull that air over, right. You vaporize it so that it, so that those that that kind of fills your whole navel navel nasal system, yeah. right? The wine's already starting to kick in. Let, let's just be <laughs> it's really crazy, right? It. <laughs> it's a little bit. Um, yeah, actually, uh, the that's what it really is. It, what you're doing yeah. is the alcohol in it. You're volatizing the esters. Now we're getting really geeky Ooh, with it. But like you're, it. the air is literally blowing these volatile compounds off of the wine that's why you swirl it that's what the oxidation is doing um and then it actually travels up just like you said into your sinus in your nasal cavity and it is a dramatically different experience you know it really it really is um and we could talk about aeration devices later yeah but yeah that. yeah let's let's talk about openers real quick so it's as simple as the as the you know the the manual opener that you had right there but Lately, these electric ones have gotten super popular. You've got one of them there. You can get them just about anywhere, right? For, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks, whatever. Um, if if I'm new to wine or if I'm wanting to get into this, do I need to have that opener? Hell no. You should go get yourself a corkscrew and learn how to use it like a man. <laughs> I mean, the waiter's key is the best corkscrew. I don't care what anybody says. This is, and this is my favorite one, by the way. This is Kutali. It's the Metrocane rabbit zippity two-step wow. and it, this is wow. one of those form and function things where they just took the basic thing and perfected it mm-hmm. and it's got little tiny details it's got the two-step but my least favorite thing is where the hinge where the where the hinge it's just the actual hinge there this is two pieces of metal and the hinge when you press down it can buckle the wrong way instead of the right uh, way right. this doesn't do that um, it has a really nice knife with a, with an angle, but this is their little gimmick. Watch when you open this, Oh, oh. it auto closes the knife, saving you emotion. <laughs> Teflon coated worm. <laughs> You're pretty good at selling these things. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah. Katali, <laughs> give me a check, man. I, I've, I've, I've spread the news about these things across the globe. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Do, do I need the, so, uh, from Okay, so say, listen, I've broken a bottle with that where I didn't get the angle right and mm-hmm. I, you know, I broke the top of the bottle. If I'm just getting into this, can I use the electric ones? Is that okay? Am I going to get judged for having an electric bottle opener? So before the show, we were we were shooting the breeze about the electric, and I'll give yeah. you my honest opinion. I think these have become super popular and people love them. So who am I to argue with the crowd? The people have spoken, they love the electric, and it's super easy. You put it on, you literally just press the button and it'll automatically just like that extract. And then on some models, you can just continuously hold it and it'll auto plunge back up. 
Yeah. Um, ours, ours does that. Yeah. And ours is clear. Like, so you can see the, that's cool. I like that. Better. You can see the cork come out. Yeah. It's kind of satisfying. So on it, honestly, it works great. I've never had one malfunction. They're very convenient and they do work well. Um, my only thing is that it does take longer than for me to just pop a bottle and you don't get that. Like, oh, it's so satisfying. My least favorite corkscrew ever, which is also extremely popular, the Rabbit. Oh. Um, this is actually made, I think this is made by the um, the same. See, this is why I freaking hate this thing, because you're supposed to be able to hold it down to yeah. extract, and it doesn't work. So this it is actually- It is a little awkward, right? So this is the one that's got a big handle on it. You screw it down, and you just lift the handle down or push the handle down. And the cork it's, comes out, right? It's heavy. It's clunky. I feel like people think when they have one of these in their house, like, oh, I'm a serious wine person. Mm-hmm. Who cares? And then so it goes, it goes over like that, and then you clamp down on this, and then, and then you just do this lever arm, and you pull up, which does work every time. I mean, the only thing is it's just then you got this giant bulky apparatus. It is. On. I, think we, I think we got a wine box from somebody like – when we first got married or whatever. And I think that was the wine opener in it. Um, so I think those get given as gifts, you know, from time to time, because they are, they are foolproof, you know, put it on, twist it, put it down. It does open every single time. It does work. And actually I like those. If you're in a really serious winos house, that's got the mounted one, the old school one. Oh yeah. yeah. Those are actually cool. Cause then you like put the bottle on it and you're like, ka-chunk and that opens it. Now that's cool. The uh, actually, no, my least favorite ones are those stupid ones that look like a woman going, Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The winged one, angel. Let's say it's an angel. angel. The the reason that I hate those so much, it is a terrible design, is because you have to hold it, you know, as you're screwing it, but then the arms have to ratchet up as you're screwing it. So you have to do that awkward thing where you're like kind of you're slipping your fingers under there until the wings are up enough. Yeah, (laughs) they kind of come up. Uh, Brian in the chat room says, not sure the official name of them, but he generally use the butterfly. So he's Uh, calling them a butterfly style. Are the butterfly ones the ones that kind of accordion out, Brian? No, I think he's. that's what he's talking about. It's it's got these, you know, he's saying the same thing you are. The wings (laughs) kind of come up, you know, you twist it in, the wings kind of come up, and then you grab the handles and you push them down on the sides and and the cork comes out. Hey, listen, there's no judgment on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was so going to say. If you, you <laughs> want to use it, that's audience. perfectly fine. <laughs> no judgment there. So he says, yeah, he says, that's it. That's the one he uses. So, <laughs> but, but you're right. It's a little, that one's a little awkward sometimes. You, know, you, 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 you put it on the top of the bottle, then you got to screw it in from the top yes. and the handles come up yes. and then you take the handles and push them down. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's a, it's not bad. It's just, it can be a little awkward. There's, there's a totally novel design, which I, I'd only seen because I got a uh, History of the Corkscrew book, and it looks essentially like a collapsed, um, like a accordion, you know, metal diamond accordion thing. You know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, it's got the hinges, X's, and, and it's sort of accordions. The corkscrew's on the end of it, and then you screw it in normally, and it's got a handle on the end, and it accordions out and pulls and pushes against the neck as the accordion expands. And th- that design's been around since the 1800s, and I, and I very rarely actually see them out in the wild. And I think those are cool. They actually work pretty well, too. I think the best one is the one that works for you. Okay. I'm into that. And that is the same with wine, brother. If, if you like it, it is a good wine. Yeah. 
Now, what had let, let, okay? So before we get to more gadgets, because I think that's a lot of guilt for a lot of people as they think they're <laughs> drinking the wrong wines. Yes, I, I, right. I mean, there's some good, inexpensive wines that you can enjoy. Hundred percent. Right? I I love apothic. You know, fourteen dollars tastes like it tastes like wine cola. It's delicious. Um, and uh, God, if you go to France, I mean, you can buy for three euros an insanely good bottle of wine. Um, what I would say is, is I stand by what I said. If you like it, it's good, period. You will find as you drink more wine over time that you start to notice what you like and what you don't like. And you'll start to realize that you yourself enjoy certain things more than other things. Um, I would say there's, there is an objective standard to wine, which is that if the wine is made well, it means that it doesn't have any faults in it. So this would be, it's not oxidized. It doesn't have VA, which is basically spoiled. Um, it doesn't have certain types of esters like uh, acetaldehyde, which smells like nail polish. Mm. Um, it doesn't have um, Britannomyces, like certain types of bacteria, like Britannomyces is what makes sour beer sour. And it can infect the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the cellar really easily. And then it's a huge problem in your, in your barrels. Um, you know, but even that's now already we're like, well, some people like a little bit of Breton wine. So we're back into the subjective. Um, but there's some things that are not subjective, like cork taint. You probably heard of a corked bottle. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That's actually from the cork. That's not from the wine itself. And it's mm -hmm. a bacteria in the cork. Um, what, what about synthetic corks? Are they okay? Like I know that we're seeing a lot more synthetic corks. Is that okay? Or is that frowned upon? No, I hate, I hate synthetic corks that are made of petroleum products. And also there's been big effort to make sugarcane based ones, but I, I find that they all off gas into the wine and it, and it, it is noticeable for sure. Um, these, like there's corks like this, which is a, which is a composite cork and they, they crush up the cork and they irradiate it to kill all of that bacteria that causes the dreaded cork taint. And now they used to use binders like glues, but now they actually can just heat form it back together without any binders. And that's pretty good. But I mean, I'm not a hater. I like natural cork is the best for sure. You run the risk of cork taint, but I think it's worth the trade-off just for the way that it slowly lets a tiny bit of oxygen through. But honestly, screw caps, um, they they now have a thin membrane underneath the seal, which is, believe it or not, a extremely thin aluminum separate gasket. And it lets a, the like a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of oxygen that simulates a cork breathing over time. Mm. And, it, and it works incredibly well. I mean, I've definitely like it's the, the Australians figured this out and the Australian market accepted it. And they put hundred dollar bottles in a screw cap. And the only reason they don't do that here, it's not because it is worse at all. It's just because people don't want to show up at someone's house and throw down a hundred dollars on a bottle and show up with a screw cap. So right. it's, it's purely a consumer per perception thing at this point. You know? hmm. That's too bad. Cause that's, if it works, right. Then it, if, if it works, we should be able to accept it. And it, there's, I mean, the more we drink, the more corks we have to create, the harder that is from an environmental standpoint. I mean, well, actually, so the cork yeah. industry, I mean, I hate to be a cork industry propagandist. <laughs> There's actually a whole trade association called 100% cork that they'll yeah. die on this yeah. hill. No, yeah. the cork industry is particularly eco-friendly because mm. they don't cut the tree down. The, the bark grows like a giant sheath around it. 
and they literally just go and they cut around the top and then they unzip it and they just take the whole thing off and then it regenerates the bark. And in fact, cork oaks take almost 75 years to produce a thick enough bark layer where it's, where it's, um, where it's worthwhile for industry. And so, and it's extremely expensive commodity. So in, in the places where cork oaks grow, they are, they guard these trees jealously and have planted generations worth that are starting to grow. So it's a huge net positive in terms of tree planting and stuff. Oh, um, okay. But, and, but the, but the thing about the, the, you know, the, the exception of different things that are better for ecology, but we don't do it. That's, that's the thing. Really? But, hey, you want to go drink, get a plastic bottle and show up to your friend's house? You know, yeah. Could you? Doing well, could you? Could I mean, in theory, could wine be put in plastic bottles with a cork or what, or a screw top, and would it would it be just as good? It's better. The Boda box, you know, which was well, I don't know, I'm name dropping. Any so the the the, the bag. <laughs> I, I know box. Boda. I know Boda. <laughs> no, I, I drank just, a lot of Boda. <laughs> I'm giving them free promo. Why does Boda box get it? There's it's there's a, plenty right. better wines out there. It's but right. um, no, I like Boda box too, man. They do a good job. They really yeah. do. It, it's actually a better technology. The plastic really doesn't off gas. They, they figured that part out. But the main benefit is, is that as the wine is poured out, the bag shrinks. So it doesn't have any head space. Right. As soon as you right. pop that bottle, you're just immediately exposed to oxygen. And let's face it. Once that bottle gets popped. Yeah. We're going to finish that tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. There's no bottle that goes ever in our house. It's finished. Every I have time. all these wine stoppers and it's just yeah. like, I've never no. used one. <laughs> <laughs> no. every listen every once in a while we'll get a red yeah. that you know you're like oh let's let's okay well, let's not finish this we'll save it for you know tomorrow or the next day whatever anything sweet the rieslings any of those kinds of things we're drinking them all that night oh, yeah. i mean it's just it's just the that's just the way it goes and not not for any reason like we're afraid of them spoiling we just want to <laughs> we just want to drink them so oh, drink it's it. it it is uh well th- so that's super interesting so we could i mean from an industry standpoint, we could have them, although, I mean, plastic is not necessarily the best. It doesn't have the best eco-friendly footprint right now either, right? That's true. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing about glass is that it's super heavy for transport. So on top, right. I mean, it right. is recyclable, but the right. problem is it's just it's incredibly heavy uh, and breakable, obviously. So you have, you have breakage, right. um, but uh, you've probably heard that there's like a massive sand shortage. You know, mm. and, and so that's the kind of thing where it really yeah. does take a lot. I mean, I I care about the planet, I do, but at the same time, it's just I'm telling you, there's something about this and a cork, which is mm. just so steeped in our culture. Yeah. Where even though I don't look down on a screw cap, you know, or or a, a, a box wine or keg wine, if you really want to talk about eco friendly solution, keg wine is the way to go. Um, Keg? Uh, is that what you're saying? A keg wine? Keg, yeah, keg. Okay. Yeah. You think of it like a kegged beer, but a kegged wine. Yeah, and, and they've taken off. Actually, one of my friends, um, because because the, they they require a slightly different system because they have a nitrogen tap, and then and then it has to have a little bit of a different system than than beer on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was racing to be the wine keg in the same way that the beer keg is now standardized and they're all identical. And uh, my friend Jordan Kievelstadt, he, he's he won. His, his fitting oh. is the best fitting wow. Wow. and he's, it got pretty, it's pretty much taken over the market and, uh, did great with for him, but it's a good keg and, um, it's super easy to, to use. Uh, but the, but the real benefit is, is that 
the winery can now take the wine and it can go straight from the tank or, or it could get barreled, put in the tank and then put in into the keg. The, there's the, obviously the keg gets reused. So you don't have any packaging cost at all. You know, just the initial cycle, it gets reused. Same thing with beer deposits, all that stuff. And then, and then the customer, it goes right from that keg directly into their glass. There was no risk of bottling issues, you know, no risk of the, the or, or the biggest one. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but typically the markup on a glass of wine on the buy the glass list is 400 percent. Yeah. If they're being generous, it's 300 percent. And the reason is because whatever they paid for that bottle, if they have to pop it and they only sell one glass that night then they have to recoup their full cost on that one, that one glass. And, and so with, with kegged wine, there's no need to do that. And so you can offer much, much, much more expensive wine at a very competitive by the glass price. Um, mm. So yeah, that's really the way to go. Especially if you like, especially if the, the, the place pours it from the tap into a decanter and gives it an opportunity yeah. to breathe and then serves it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, you know, I've, we've, uh, of course, in the, in the craft beer space, a kegging and having a kegerator, a fridge locally where you can, you know, keep it, keep it stored at the right temperature, being able to serve it on draft has been fairly popular among the, 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 the beer enthusiasts. And we drink enough wine. If, if I could find it in a, in a keg and we could pour glasses as we needed them, that'd certainly be way more efficient. Yeah, the challenge is so those systems are out there and they're super affordable. I mean, that's why the kegs at home, like, you know, now you could buy one for like 130 bucks, like a pretty decent one with the tap tower, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's been way more accessible. The problem really isn't the availability of the systems and the relative pricing of them. The problem is we're at the, the industry is at a bottleneck, <laughs> bottleneck, <laughs> um, uh, where, where it's really, it's, there's, <laughs> there's not enough of a market for the consumer, for the, yeah. the winery to change their entire logistics yeah. process. Yeah. And, it, and there's so much of this in the industry where it's a chicken or the egg thing. Like he, the yeah. winery knows it's going to be better for the customer. The customer wants it, but there's just not the critical momentum there yet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking we, we drink a lot of wine. There's a winery here in Nebraska that we really, really like. It's just across town, you know, so probably 35, 40 minutes away. It's not far away. Their their wines are all available local, and we really enjoy them. In fact, we we buy them by the case and 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 like it. But that would be one that would be a perfect candidate for this kind of like. I would if I could get it in a keg and serve it that way. That'd be a lot more efficient than buying a whole bunch of bottles and a wine rack and storing them and those things. We could just have it, you know, have it in a location, pour pour glasses as we want it. Although we'd yeah. probably drink it way faster. <laughs> Well, well, there's a ton of benefits to it. I mean, the the other like things you don't think about, for example, in order for the winery to sell a particular wine, you know, they have to print the labels. Well, that's the big one. They've got to print the labels and there's you know minimum amounts that make sense to do that. Right. If you're putting it in the keg, you can do what craft brewers do where they just make a, a keg or, you know, five kegs of this thing. So with the wine, you know, you can make like one barrel of this kooky wine you know, that's a special release and then put it in five kegs and sell it to, you know, like a couple restaurants and boom, you know what I mean? And that's such a cool thing yeah. that you couldn't do yeah. before. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 the other, that's, that's the real challenge. I do think my prediction is 
is that it will start to catch on for the public because so many restaurants are recognizing it and adopting it that now all of a sudden there's enough restaurants where wineries can start saying, Hey, if I put it in a keg, I'll be able to sell the kegs. Yeah. And, and once that happens, all right, now there's a chance for a consumer market because let's make 10% more kegs right. and see if we can sell a DTC. And that's really where it makes sense. Right. Is in, is in the restaurant space. Yeah. And then, and then it can, the consumers can start, you know, it would be slow, but the consumers could, I would, I, I, I could get a keg of it. I mean, I've often, I have not done kegged beer, but I probably should with as much as we buy. It's a lot cheaper yeah. to get it that way, uh, right? And, and it's, you don't have the waste and you just take it back kind of deal. And, and, yeah. and so we should give that a try. You alluded to this a little bit earlier and we've got one of those things too, where you pour the wine through it and it does some fancy bubbly kind of thing to it. Is that a gimmick or is that real? Does that, does that, what, what is it? And does that work? I, I love I love this one. So it's not a gimmick. You can absolutely you, the, the 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 popular name brand one is Venturi. Name dropping again. You can buy them on Amazon. They do the exact same thing. It's a funnel, you know, that has a certain convex shape to it that makes it whirlpool. Um, totally, it is a real thing. You're aerating the wine. It's the exact same thing as swishing in the glass. It works a little bit better than swishing in the glass. There's all kinds of crazy ones that start to look like bongs and water pipes where you pour it in the top and it like spirals down this thing and all that. Truth is all that's, it's great. Like anytime you're, it's all about is exposing the liquid to a broader surface area. Mm. Um, and so you're, you're literally spreading out the wine over something and then it has a better opportunity to interact with air, which you can imagine in the glass, it's like, even if you swirl it, like a chunk of the wine's just sitting there at the, at the, you know, together kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. So it does work. Here's the thing about aeration. It will open up a wine, um, which is what we talked about earlier. You're essentially volatilizing an ester. So it just, it has more of a bouquet come off it. And then a lot of the, like the flavor compounds, like the polyphenols are getting swept up as those, as those gases rise off it more, they're all getting swept up more. So that's why you experience it as just being more flavorful. You can say it has like you know, it's opened up. That's what people mean. It basically means it's richer, fuller body. What it, It's the same thing, exact same thing though, of literally just pouring a glass of wine and letting it sit there for 30 minutes. So really? what, yeah. So what the Venturi oh. doesn't do is it can't take a bad wine and make it better. It cannot do that. It will not make a wine any better. It will basically accelerate the process of pouring a glass of wine, walking away and coming back 15 minutes later. You know? so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So really it, it, but it just speeds up that process. It speeds up. So that process. Yeah. in theory tonight we had dinner and we, we were pouring wine. I'm like, Oh, I need to save. I have a, you know, I need to save some of this wine for the show. Cause I can't, have a wine guy on and be drinking whiskey. Like <laughs> yeah, need to be, yeah, on, although we'll, nice. we'll talk about drinking whiskey out of a wine glass here in just a second. But the, um, uh, so I saved it and then um, I ran to the store. I needed to pick up a few things. And so I ran to the store real quick, came back. It was about a half an hour. What you're saying is, is I actually improved the, not improved, but I brought out more flavors in the wine by letting it sit for a half an hour and then coming back to it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, wow. there's, and there's, 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 of course, as it oxidizes over time, it kind of like peaks in the same way that wine yeah. ages over time peaks and then yeah. gets worse. So, you know, if you let that glass sit there, it's not going to get exponentially better. Tomorrow's going to be a lot worse. Um, well, it depends on the wine. So 
usually there's like there's tannin in wine and 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 the tannin and the acid and the alcohol it all interacts and we can call it it's tight it's all literally holding itself together and kind of what you're doing when you're swishing it and you're letting the oxygen get in what the oxygen is doing the o2 is breaking up all these bonds mm-hmm. and that's what's and that's what's making it breathe and then taste more rich and fuller over time and it makes a dramatic impact on the flavor of the wine you could be you know, you could know nothing about wine and i'll pour you two glasses and i'll let one sit there and i'll let the other one not sit there same wine you'll be able to be like this one's better you know mm-hmm. um but but yeah and 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 honestly i mean it was, i had a really funny argument with my wine bar the other day because i loved this wine so much and he's like it's tight you should let it breathe for longer and i was going to take it home with me and i put the cork in it and he's like leave the cork out it, it needs the air i'm like no i want I'll let it breathe later. I don't need to let it breathe for five hours. He's like, no, it'll definitely be better after five hours. You're a fool. <laughs> like, okay, man. I put the cork to you and walked away. <laughs> you're like, you're taking this way too seriously. Yeah, exactly. Way too, way too seriously. But the the flat bottle bottom of the canner, these are the best ones. If you get the round, it's still, it's one of those things. It's going to work. Yeah. But the flat bottom yeah. ones are the best just because it's the same idea. It just splits all that line up. And so it has a broader surface area exposed to the air. Yeah. So in a, in a decanter gives me what advantage? Like, why should I, as, as a regular consumer, should I have one of those? What, when would I use something like that? Yeah, I definitely would recommend a decanter. It's the exact same thing as a Venturi, except for having to like hold this awkward gizmo over your yeah. wine and then pour it into it Got and hope it. not to spill. You know, yeah. then it, you just pour it into there. The downside is, okay, now you got this whole bottle of wine in the decanter, but as previously discussed, that's yeah. not going to be a problem. <laughs> no, that could be not a problem at the college now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing is if you okay. if you happen to be drinking a very old wine that's already basically oxidized to a certain point in the bottle, that's the only time we're going to make the wine worse by giving it more oxygen because it's like it's already it's already got enough, and now you're just pushing it over the edge. If that makes sense, but that's only like I would say now. 2022, you know, a wine, unless it's really badly made, uh, probably the earliest I would be worried about the wine kind of being uh, uh, about being kind of uh, uh, over the hill is like maybe an 09, you know, and I'm not saying that the wine's going to be over the hill. I'm saying that's where you start to get into the territory of, do I really need to decant this 09? Maybe not, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. No, it's good that I hadn't, I had not, I hadn't even thought about having a decanter on the table that we just poured into and then pour from that throughout dinner. We're going to finish it. So it's not like we're worried about that, but that'd be, it's, it, it's a nice presentation too. Like there's something about you, you alluded to this a little bit earlier. There's something about, we open, you know, right before we're ready to eat. There's my daughter and my wife and, and we eat dinner together almost every night. And we say wine, and the answer is always yes. Like I don't even know why we ask the question. I know that conversation. (laughs) So, are we having wine tonight? Yes. So we grab a bottle, and then you know somebody grabs the you know somebody takes the wrapper off and puts the you know they're like the 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 cork puller thing on it, and then we you know we pour it and we'll cheers. You know, we'll sometimes we'll you know we'll cheers. But there's a little bit of a presentation to that part, uh-huh. right? Where where we'll drink it together, and then everybody kind of be like, "Ooh, that's good," or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, totally. The decanter adds a little bit. It re- kind of reminds me of like when I get a house wine in an Italian restaurant, uh-huh. and it would come, yeah. it would come like it, 
it's all part of the, how much of wine is kind of part of that, of the, of the setting of the, what you're doing at the time, you know, Oh, I how much of it is that <laughs> a tremendous yeah. amount? I mean, and this yeah. is why I feel kind of strongly about the gla- the bottle and the cork. Um, it really is a key aspect of our culture. You know, people yeah. always predict yeah. that wine's going to go away and get replaced with spirits and craft beers. And that never seems to happen. It really, there is something magical and special and different about wine. And it really has been with us since the dawn of mankind and a big part of human civilization forever and ever and ever. And, you know, the, the presentation, all these little rituals, is it, is it necessary to enjoy wine? No, but does it enhance the experience or add, add texture to our lives? Yes. You know, and, and does enjoying a glass of wine when you're in a good mood, surrounded by friends and family, candle at dinner, special occasion, does that make the wine taste better? Yes. You know, and if you're pissed off and, you know, you just got laid off and you're like, oh, I need a glass of wine. That wine doesn't taste as good. (laughs) It just doesn't, you know, a little bitter, a little bitter taste, a little bitter. Yeah. 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 No, I love, I love building the atmosphere with wine. It's one of those kinds of things. And, you know, we bought a little bit, a little wine rack that we put downstairs that sits by the beer fridge that has. I think 36 bottles. Um, by the way, we don't, let me ask you this question. It's just in the basement. It's normal air conditioning. It's very, very stable. You know, the house is at 70 degrees. Most of the time, the humidity is always 40 or 45%, whatever we keep it. Even in the winter, it's, it doesn't vary from, am I okay? Do I have to have it inside a climate controlled kind of thing or can i keep some of my wines in that way and we drink them pretty fast let's just yeah, be, i mean you said, you said is that se- okay you said 75 uh yeah uh, no probably 70 70 okay yeah. so so yeah so first of all it just really depends on if you're actually trying to age it for longevity yeah um yeah. if if you if you are trying to to have it like seller it for many years and i'm talking about like five years plus then it really does need to be 60 um, okay. you, you hit the nail on the head. Temperature fluctuations, a big one. So if you've got a cold, dark closet in your house, it doesn't even have to be a basement. If it's like relatively stable throughout the year, that's definitely your best bet. Um, you know, if you, I mean, uh, just obviously keep it out of the sun. I mean, what are you doing if it's hitting the sun the, that, that will spoil a bottle real quick. Uh, I think the, like, inter- if you're drinking wine within the year, almost always, I would say really the danger zone is like 79 um, okay. for it to consistently go over that, which is pretty hot, obviously. Like how often is it 79 in there? So don't put it in the freaking attic. If it's, oh. if it's 70 to 75, you're, you're, you're 100% good if you're consuming it within you know, a year or two. Yeah. We're in, in a lot of cases, no more than a year. Yeah. You know, we're six months. We'll buy a case or we'll buy two cases at a time. Load up the kind of lo- load up the rack and we've got most of those drank within that, you know, within that three to six month window. Um, so that's okay if I've got those in there and then we do have a wine fridge in the kitchen that will, will chill the, yeah. you know, the wines you're supposed to chill. We'll put those in there. Um, uh, and it's been a good system. We put a wine fridge in two years ago and have used the heck out of it. It's also a great way to put your fruit for your mm. cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, you got yeah. and it's got to have a couple slots, that's for sure. I like the wine fridge. I think it's useful. 
ironically, I do not have one in my house. Um, I mm. keep everything in my pantry on the floor and, <laughs> and it is shocking at how short a lifespan it has once it has entered <laughs> the house. So I don't tend to have that problem. And I am in a situation where, you know, for the wines that I really do care about and want to keep for a long time, I, you know, yeah. at, the, at our headquarters here, I have a very nice climate controlled facility for, for the actual collection. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. No, for sure. For, for the average kind of the, the average geek, any other tech gadgets that you think of with wine that are helpful to have or that, they, that you should have is, 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 just the average guy consuming wine. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how big a you know, wide swath of stuff there is. We didn't really cover other types of aeration systems like the, you know, there's pumice stones and on a wand that you can insert in. And that actually works really well because it's got little air bubbles, like small air bubbles that come out. The downside is you have to kind of clean them. Um, the, uh, there's, um, you know, what's the, uh, what's that tool? Like if you wanted to take a taste out of the wine bottle, the Corvin, yeah. Y- yeah. What, what is that? What is that? So that is, I wish I was looking for it. I swear to God, we had it. And it's like a $350 thing. I'm like, wait, where did that go? Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was invented by a doctor because he was like, hey, he literally had a hypodermic needle. And he's like, I bet you this needle can go through the cork and the cork will self-heal. And he's right. So it is literally, you know, it kind of looks, it kind of, it kind of looks like, like this in form factor and it has two wings kind of, and it also kind of works like the rabbit and then it's got like a thing that clamps around it. But then instead of a corkscrew, it has a hypodermic needle, which is a hypodermic, it is sharp. It's almost (laughs) impossible to get yourself, but like if you were to do that and then poke it, like it's a needle. Right. Um, But basically it has a gas container in it. um, And then you put it over the bottle and you press down and it inserts the needle directly through the cork. And then it takes a little bit of uh, getting used to and people that first get one, it's kind of funny to watch them use it because when it has a lever on it, you tap it and it injects a tiny amount of gas. But what that's doing is it's instantly pressurizing the bottle. And so the, so the liquid's getting displaced up through the, the needle and dribbling out. So it is not an elegant pour. It kind of goes, <laughs> you know, but, but what's so cool about it is, That's is hilarious. that when you take that needle out, it heals the cork. So you can, you can turn the bottle upside down and it like instantly seals it. If it's a mm. the caveat is if it's a really kind of old cork, which is naturally deteriorating, it sometimes won't perfectly seal, but for most of the time it works. And what's cool is it's also injected the gas into the bottle so now it's still sealed and the headspace is filled with inert gas, which doesn't react with the wine. And so you can, you can literally drink, you know, a glass of wine over time and it's basically worthwhile until you get to maybe a third of the bottle and then it's just time to just open it. Yeah. Um, but especially if you have a nice collection and you know, you're like, Hey, I bought this wine from this awesome trip I had out into Sonoma three years ago. Is it right to drink? Usually your only option is to open it. Now you can use the Coravin, take a tiny little bit out and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to let it sit for another year. Mm. And that you couldn't do before. So that's really, really cool. Mm. Um, and then this, since it was the gadget show, sweet hack. The thing about the Coravin is, is that it comes with these tiny little gas pods that of course, proprietary, they charge you an arm and a leg for in, in, in every serious wine shop. 
There's adapter kits that I don't think they sell them, but other people do them aftermarket and it just screws into the gas port and then it has just a, a tube and then it, that plugs into a regular little 10 pound cylinder or whatever. Um, and that thing lasts forever. So that's a really, really, really good way to do it, especially if you have a little wine fridge in your uh, wine cellar area in your house because you just keep it in there. You can little take little pours out. That mm-hmm. is that is a really good method. Mm. Yeah, I had uh, I had reached out to a buddy of mine who's really good with wine. And I said, hey, we were we're kind of interested. It was a project I was thinking about of doing of aging some wine mm-hmm. and buying some particularly just to keep it and age it. And he, he had said, uh, he, I, I had to have one of those. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you got to have one. Cause you got to, from time to time you taste it to see if it's ready or. Oh, do you, you have a Corbin? Just, no, I never did buy one. I never, we, I never got that far, but, but it was like. now 220. Okay. Yeah. It's not terrible. That's not terrible. Let me, uh, Brian's asking this question in the chat. Let me bring in. And he says, um, I've heard it's preferable to store wine on its side. Uh, but is the, is it vital if it's used within a year or so? So in my case, you know, I've got this wine rack. If, if I'm drinking it in six months, does it matter if I store it on the side? You, you just said you, you keep it in boxes <laughs> at your house. So yeah. what, what, what's this storage? And I've also heard a tilt, like to keep the corks kind of moist or something. What's the, what's the deal on those? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, a year I would actually consider putting on its side six months. You'll probably be fine. Uh, all of the wines that are shipped from the winery that are on pallets are actually stored upside down and they're in the case boxes upside down. Um, Now it is crucial because you're keeping the cork wet and it will literally dry out. And that is the seal. And as soon as the seal is lost on a cork, the bottle is completely compromised. It must be sealed. And as soon as it breaks that seal, the air that leaks in the the wine will oxidize and spoil. But six months, probably fine a year. Still frankly, probably fine, but you know, you might as well just lay it down. It's then you're not going to have any problems. Okay. And if I lay it down, that's going to keep the cork from drying out. Yeah. At that point, and it'll, at that point it'll never dry out because you're just keeping that end wet. I mean, just think about it. Otherwise uh, there's the head space. Yeah. 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 We talk in the, uh, in the whiskey world, we talk a lot yeah, about that. Head space, so, so um, uh, Brian says, thanks. He's re- 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 rearranging his pantry. Now, last question for you. Um, oftentimes we, we end up with an empty wine glass like I have right here. Uh, and then we start reach, we reach for the bourbon. Yeah. And pour it right in the wine glass. Oh, interesting. With the wine residue in it. Yeah. With the, cool. you get, you get a little bit of that. It kind yeah. of mixes in that little, anything wrong with that? Can I, oh, you know, no. it's a, yeah. It's, do whatever it's you, again, do whatever you want. And I don't even like emotionally have a problem with that. Also, <laughs> I'm not a bourbon distiller, so maybe you're going to get right. some guy out here from Kentucky be like, you did what? <laughs> and it'll be a different story. But yeah. I mean, look, they've been aging, you know, they've been doing bourbons and wine barrel crossovers yeah. and, you yeah. know, there's some real synergies there, man. So yeah. I say do what you want. Yeah. This red is particularly good that we had this Josh, we had a Josh wine tonight and this, this is particularly good. The the local one we get to is particularly good with a little bit of bourbon. So we'll, we'll sl- splash a little bourbon in there. Mix it around a little bit, and then it's just it's, it's a good start. The problem is, is then we add more bourbon and more bourbon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, never and, a problem. No, I've and been, there's go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's a lot of similarities as I've gotten into the whiskey side of things. There's a lot of similarities to the to the wine and the bourbon storage or the wine mm-hmm. and the whiskey storage. Let's let's put it that way. In the way you keep those, and some of the same. Some of the tasting notes ideas, some of the same, some of those same. Well, it's the barrels, you know. You know, 
Yeah. Well, and of course there's a bit, you just said this, there's been a lot of sharing between barrels, right? Well, I know. And just the the fact that they're both Asian barrels. I, when I was, when I was growing up, I just, a lot of it was in my mind. And I think a lot of people think this, it's like vineyard plus winery equals wine. But after spending time in the wine industry, you realize very quickly that wine, like red wine period is vineyard plus winery plus barrel cooperage. And that is as essential an element and the skill and the artistry and the difficulty of the craft and the net impact on what you're actually tasting in the wine, including just like basic flavors. It's as much about the barrel as it is about, you know, the grapes sometimes, you know, or at least it's a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a whole, the cooperage thought that's a whole different, (laughs) right? Those, those, those guys, those guys, um, uh, I said that last question, but I got one more for you. You're out in California. You're a wine guy. Have you gotten, or are you into the mead space at all? Do you, do you drink meads, you know, honey wine? Have you done any of that mead work? Actually, it's funny you asked that. So uh, the uh, Shark Tank just dropped an episode on YouTube. So you can go check it out. It literally just aired today, even though it's an old episode. Um, Be Divine Honey Wine is made at my family's winery. So. Oh. So my family produces mead. Um, he, yeah. I mean, he's, so we have, custom, I don't know if you're familiar with the term custom crush, but basically mm. people pay us on contract to make wine at our facility. And there's varying levels of responsibility from they do it completely themselves to our winemaking team, you know, basically makes the wine for them kind of private label. Um, so, I mean, Ayala Solomon, who, who is the owner of Bee Divine, it's definitely a collaboration. He's for sure the, you know, the, he's done a lot of chemistry and research on it, but our winemaking team, you know, it is our, our crew that, that works on it. And um, so, yeah, we actually have, it's insane, you know, like, like 50 steel drums full of premium honey delivered to the crush pad. And it's so simple. The process, you literally fill up a tank of wine of, of thing with, with, we have really good water. That's important. Yeah. Mix it with the wine, put some yeast in there, it ferments. And then the way that we make it is like brute style. So it's dry and it's delicious. Ayala got a four shark offer. He got uh Cuban, Lori, <laughs> Kevin, and uh, uh, who nice. else went in? I forget. Yeah. I think, nice. I think Robert went in. So good for wow. him, man. Wow. Well, that's my, so my son was a Marine. He was stationed at Camp Pendleton down in San Diego. Lost Cause Meadery is a big, big giant meadery down there in the San Diego area. And so he was always bringing us bottles. Every time he was on leave, he'd bring a case of mead with him. And yeah. we've kind of fell in love with it. There's no, there's no place in the world to get mead here in Nebraska. They're just not doing it yet. You know? Yeah. Well, you can get it shipped DTC from B Divine Honeyline. <laughs> I'll have to check. I'll have to check it out. We do. We do have a local. I just found the other day. I've got a local winery that is out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and they're they're shipping just basic mead at this point. I have to get. We'll have to give it a try. I think we're going to pick a bottle and see so, if we so we do. We like to go local when we can. No, that's great. I really, really yeah. is. I yeah. so I don't know if this is true, but I have been told from a biased source, Ayala Solomon of Be Divine, yeah. that that uh, honey, that mead, uh, is the most consumed beverage in the world because it's the most consumed um, alcoholic beverage on the continent of Africa, and oh. it's called Tedge. That's interesting. I don't know. I yeah. I, I, I could buy yeah. it. It's like people that yeah. say that cricket is the most watched sport. 
and they're like, oh, there's a lot of Indians. <laughs> it's probably probably football though. Just yeah. to, not American football. Uh, what we call soccer. That yeah. football is probably yeah. But yeah, no. Mead has interesting, and it's is I've been talking with people about it. You know, um, very few people know. Like they're like, no, what is what is mead? And yeah. so we've been. We've been trying, I've been buying some local meads to see if we can get something like local, but it's a great, I mean, we really enjoy mead and it's a great thing with wine. The one that you have, is it, is it, is it thicker or is it totally thin? Is it sweeter or kind of in the middle? And then is it carbonated Uh, at all or is it totally flat? So totally the ones we've had here are totally flat Yeah, and they're, um, the, the lost cause ones are all flavored. So they're a little sweet on Uh that. Generally, the ones I've had that have been just straight mead have been a little bit more. Um, what's the term you used? Like viscous? Is it thicker? Yeah, a little thicker. Yeah, yeah little little thicker. So, um, yeah, we're just trying them out. It's one of those. You know, it's one of the we we'd also like to have good meads on yeah. hand that when people come over, you know, pop a, pop a mead. We end up using them as dessert wine, basically. Is what it, you know at the end of the meal. Yeah, pop pop a mead and enjoy it. That's my problem is I actually like dessert wines and sweeter wines. And I always find when I'm out tasting at wineries, especially because of your palate gets fatigued, I end up buying the, the dessert wine and I really like it, but then I never open it. It always sits yeah. there for years and I never drink it. And then I'm like, oh man, it's definitely not good anymore. <laughs> I always keep buying it for some reason. Well, they're, they're good. And like a good chocolate port. It's just a good, delicious, you know, when we were at this winery, um, out in Napa, they, we, we got, they had little fudge, um, they got little fudge bars and then strawberries and we poured chocolate port on it. And that's one of the best things I've ever tasted. I was like, this is so good. So my, so my uncle, he's the the winemaker and this dude is like the real deal. He's got the handlebar mustache. Italian. (laughs) I mean, he fits the part and he makes his own you know, chocolate truffles. Oh, it's yeah. so freaking good. And then he makes it, we make a, we make port at Deerfield and it's actually really good port. It's, um, mm. it's from our own estate Syrah vineyard and we age it eight years. And I mean, it is like real port. And then he uses that port oh. in the chocolate that he makes. And then he also oh. serves it with the port. <laughs> and it is like, good <laughs> robert rex doing 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 it right oh man that brings back some <laughs> memories uh, we're, yeah. we're not doing we're not doing that enough i gotta figure out now now you got me all i gotta go figure out where to get all those ingredients here <laughs> so i can we haven't done that in a while but um you, you, but, you know he got a, a chocolate temper see i love talking about gadgets yeah he got, yeah, he yeah. got a chocolate temper off amazon like there's a really cheap ones but if you go kind of go like mid-tier like just above the crap maybe like, you know, 175 bucks, something like that. You can buy a chocolate temper that really makes it easy because it is so hard to get right and get the, you know, the shell correct. But with the chocolate temper, it's a piece of cake and you can start making really, really good truffles like that. Do all the flavors. It's it's fun. I do it with them. Yeah. It's an expensive uh, habit to get into because then you start (laughs) making them. You're like, oh, gotta have it. Gotta have these. Yeah, Yeah. Super good. Well, hey, thanks for uh, we we could probably go on for a good chunk of the night talking about this, but thanks for thanks one thanks for uh, saying yes. I reached out to you through one of those podcast guest services, and you said yes. And you even listened to us. You went back. You you wrote me an email. You're like, yeah, I listened to a couple of episodes. I think this will fit in nicely. And you, I think you've done a great job. So thanks for coming out and being a part of it tonight. Oh, the, I, thank you. This has been a real delight. I've been 
really enjoying the conversation, but most of all, I love talking about gadgets and why. So this is right right up my alley. Thank you so much. No, no, right on. Appreciate it. And you know, I, I, to, to guests like this, I always say, Hey, if in the future, if you've got something coming up, that's gadget related or geek related or whatever, and you want to come and promote it, just drop me an email and we'll have you back on the show. And well, actually I've I've got something coming up. So, Okay. Yeah. Give me, give me a holler. We'll, we'll come on and have you, we'll have you back on and talk about it on the show. You know, the audience uh, is, is, uh, is, is pleasantly uh, small here, but we always, we have a, we have a mighty voice. So I always looking at you, Brian, (laughs) (laughs) that's it. Yeah. Brian's out there uh, leading the way. So, um, Hey, I'm going to, I've kept you long enough. I'm going to let you go. I'll close up the show, but thanks for coming on and thanks for being a part of it uh, uh, tonight. And I'll look forward to hearing from you again. Thanks for jumping in here. Jim, you're the man. Thanks so much for having yeah, me on. Appreciate it. You bet. Have a good, have a good evening. That's, that's it. Enjoy your wine. All right. Well, guys, thanks for coming out tonight. Brian, uh, Brian, and, uh, and I saw Tony out there a little bit earlier. Ken jumping in. Uh, K- Katie J, thanks for coming out after last week. And a couple of reminders on the way out as we go. One, if you want to join us on Patreon, and uh, I've just got one Patreon plan. If you some some folks just want to give to the show, and if you want to do that, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. Oh, Joe's still out there as well. So, Joe, thanks for coming out and being part of it. Um, uh, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon, if you want to jump in there. I, I still have some coins, some Home Gadget Geeks coins. And if you join at five bucks and you haven't got one of those, I'll send one to you. So, if you haven't done that yet. Jump in there, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. Uh, don't forget, um, I haven't said it in a while, but if you want to jump in on the HelloFresh, you can do that as well, theaverageguy.tv. I think HelloFresh, we're still continuing to do it. And even through this time of inflation, it's been a great deal for us. So if you want to try it out, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. I, I, I think I have some coupons that are worth a little bit more than that. So if you want to give it a try, if you're getting sick of the things that you're uh, that you're eating, after tonight, check out winespies.com. It's a super cool site. And I'm going to go out there and figure out uh, how to, how to, I like this idea of buying, like, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to buy all 12 at once, but I, I'd love to buy them over time. They'll locker them for me and then send them when they're ready. Be a great way to get a case. So I have to check that out. And, uh, and definitely you can subscribe. So they'll send you emails. Uh, letting you know what's coming um, as well. Of course, the average guy.tv powered by Maple Grove Partners gets secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. And you know that's Christian. If you need a website and uh, you need some awesome hosting, speaking of inflation, his plans are still $10 a month for some pretty incredible hosting, some pretty secure stuff. Check it out maplegrovepartners.com. With that, uh, again, uh, winespies.com, if you want to check it out. That was a super awesome interview. You guys could tell I was having a great time, and uh, and I, I never, uh, I don't miss. When we had Jay on last week, I was, he, you know, he lives right at the start of, like, the whole bourbon, the you know, the bourbon road, and uh, there in Kentucky, and I was like, oh, this is super great. And you're like, gadgets. Well, we brought some gadgets on tonight, so thanks for coming out. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We'll be back. Next week, we've got a couple couple great hosts come on. Gavin Campbell is coming back. You know Gavin. He's been on before. So Gavin will be on next week. Dave from Mac Geek Gab is coming on uh, September 22nd. Bob and Ryan will be here September uh, 29th. And remember, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to task them to help me build my new virtual reality box. And so we're gonna, they're going to suggest some parts for me. And off those that part list, I'm going to purchase and put together a, a VR rig. So that's coming up. 
And uh, Jay Franzi's back. Uh, he was on a couple weeks ago. We talked about enterprise virtual security. And then Edward Weniger's coming on to talk a little bit about crypto. So we got a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up. Join us live. Well, okay. First of all, for those of you who are still live, thanks. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for asking some great questions. Do appreciate it. If you're listening to the podcast recording of it, maybe you just need something different. So come out on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, 6 Pacific. You can do it. You can be here. Love to see you in there. It'll be like first time, first time live. Love to love to see you do that. We'll be back next Thursday. Big schedule's coming up. Lots of things going on. Thanks for coming out tonight. With that, we'll say goodbye.